Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Well, good morning, Frontline. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from our speaker this morning. John Freed serves right now as the Church Multiplication Director for the Great Lakes region of the Wesleyan Church. Uh, What that means is that John right now is committed to raising up the next generation of church planters and church leaders in our network of churches that we're a part of. And John is the the perfect person for that because several years ago, John and his wife, Danielle, planted a church on the north side of Indianapolis called Waterline Church. And Waterline Church since has planted about 15 other churches and continues to be a church that's multiplying in the central Indiana area. And so uh, I hope you'll give John a really warm welcome as he comes right now to speak to us and to continue our series for people. Would you welcome John? Frontline, I don't know if you peeked, but this thing came up out of the stage. Did you see that? I'm old school Christian, so when that started to come up, like everything inside of me was like, arise, my love, arise, my love. Come on now. The grave no longer. Oh, yeah, you know that song. Yes. Yes, it's going to be a good morning. Seriously, uh, Friday night, Pastor Brian called me. And he was like, hey, some things have happened. Would you mind being the guest preacher at Frontline? And I'm telling you, I had a panic attack, anxiety. I was like, it's Friday night, Brian. And I'm like, certainly, Brian, you've written a a message, a a sermon for this Sunday. Because you know you have a really good preacher, right? You know that? You have a good, good preacher. Like, I'll just put it in perspective, okay? Okay. Brian is like the Chick-fil-A of preaching. You know that. He's really, really good. I'm like the Long John Silvers of preaching, okay? Like, like I'm like the person, you don't tell people you had Long John Silvers for lunch. You just go have it by yourself quietly. It's kind of greasy. You only do it every six months and you wish you didn't do it. You know what I mean? That's... That's me this morning. I'm Long John Silvers. Brian is Chick-fil-A. It's hard being the guest speaker. You know what I mean? Like no one ever grows up and says, I hope to be a guest preacher someday. (laughs) Nobody ever says that. No, because listen, you know, like, like it's hard to be the guest preacher because when you have good preaching and you're only, if I don't do good, like I got one shot, right? I got one shot to be good this morning. And if it's not good, you're never gonna see me again. Okay, you'll forget my name. Brian will get up next week to preach. He won't even mention me. He'll just imagine it never happened and we'll just all go on with our life and never talk about it. But I'm the guest preacher. So I asked Brian, I said, Brian, you're a a great preacher and you probably have sermons written until 2025. And they're probably like all golden. You know, maybe you could just give me your sermon that you were gonna preach on Sunday and I'll preach it. And he was like, no. 
He's like, I'm really excited about preaching this sermon, and I can't wait to get back. So you're going to have to be here next week. Pastor Brian's going to be back, and he's going to give you an awesome sermon, and it's going to have Chick-fil-A fries probably and all kinds of wonderful things with it. So be here next week. But I am the guest preacher. Everybody welcome the guest preacher to Frontline this morning. I've only been here for a few hours, but I have just met some really cool people. Some, there's all kinds of people that love Jesus and that are working right now all around behind the scenes. And we got to give it up for the production team today. They're back there making things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and the band, how awesome, right? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, uh, that's really, really good. And uh, Cody and Mariah, welcome to West Michigan uh, from Atlanta. I'm just going to tell you, just between us, it's weird here, okay? <laughs> it's really different. Uh, they're doing a series right now for people. And Brian said that you guys wanted to talk about today for people who are maybe different than us. And we just moved here from Indianapolis. My wife and I start churches. That's what we love to do. We love to meet people. We love to meet unique people, different kind of people. And so when we moved to West Michigan, we had no idea how different you people are, okay? You all are different. I just wrote some things down about how it's different here in West Michigan than everywhere else. Number one, I just put, you know, like uh, snow. You guys really do it well here when it comes to the snow department. Uh, in Indianapolis, you would be surprised to hear this, but because of weather patterns, we only get like 23 inches of snow every year. That's it. You guys got that on a Monday, December 1st. Like it was just nothing for you. 23 inches is a morning, you know, jog. And so when I moved here, I told my neighbors, like, what should we expect? We moved here in September. What should we expect when it comes to snow? And they just looked at me like, you're not going to make it. You're asking that question, like you haven't prepared, it's September, you should be stocking up, you should have fuel right now, you should have at least run the snowblower three or four times to get the gas going, and so I got actually frightened and we created a bunker in my house. Here's the second thing, thrift stores, you love them, right? I, you love thrift stores, they're everywhere. Some of you probably have thrift stores at your house, right? Like. And I'm not sure if you're just not happy with anything, you just keep giving it away and buying news. I'm not sure, but thrift stores, you guys rock at that. Like, we just have goodwill in Indiana. That's all we have. And you guys are like, that's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you guys know thrift stores. Here's the third thing, uh, Lake Michigan. Well done, right? Well done. I'm from Indiana. We have reservoirs that we dug out ourselves. okay? And I'm not joking, we drain them every winter, okay? We really do that. We just drain the reservoir. We'll fill it back up in the spring. It ain't no thing, right? But you guys, it's just beautiful all the time. I'm not kidding. We drove to Holland to see the sunset with my family. Absolutely love it. But here's the weird thing about you people. Let's just get honest. I'm the guest speaker. You're never gonna see me again. Let me just tell you something. From the outside looking in, you're different, okay? You eat way too much ice cream. It's a real problem, okay? It's a real problem. I'm convinced that the summer, summer in West Michigan, the dietary, primary dietary is, is, is ice cream and cherries. That's all you live on all summer long. And I realize you're preparing for the winter months. I get it. I totally understand it. You're just like, we gotta eat ice cream because in the winter, it may not be there. 
And I don't know why you feel that way, but the, the ice cream will be there again tomorrow, okay? So we don't need to eat so much ice cream. How many of you love ice cream? Yes, yes. And those of you without your hands raised, you're in denial, okay? Look around. It's, it's a real, real problem. I'm pumped to be here. I do have a family that loves me. Uh, they told me not to say that, but I will tell you that they do love me. Those are, that's my wife, Danielle. She's actually a pastor. How cool is that, right? She's a pastor as well, and she's preaching at a church this morning. Um, and so she's with uh, Dean and Deanna, our, our kids there. And so she said uh, she preaches later on in the morning. So when I'm done here, I'm going to rush down and get the kids, and we're going to trade back. But guys, it's really cool to be here. I'm pumped to be here. And I do want to read the Bible, because if we don't read the Bible, Brian's going to be very mad at me if we don't read the Bible. So take out your Bibles, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. Uh, I'm excited about this morning. Uh, I prepared uh, for this through prayer. Um, I got over the anxiety, and I was like, okay, God, if this is going to be a sermon, it's going to have to be your words, and I'm just going to be the messenger. I'm just going to deliver. And so I'm honored to be here. I, I feel like, you know, it's a blessing. And this church is a blessing to so, so, so many people. And can I just say, uh, you're doing this series right now called Four People. And from the outside looking in, I already know you're four people. We already know that um, from, the, from, a, from the Great Lakes region of the Wesleyan Church, which is a region, it's a collective of churches all, all over Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, about 180 churches, over 500 pastors that collaborate, work together to reach lost people for Jesus. This church right here is a flag flagship church. It really is. You should know that. You should know that we are we just are blessed uh, to be a part of the frontline story and to be a part of what God is doing in this place. What I'm going to share with you today, honestly, I was just talking with a group of people in the back, and I said, man, God is in this place because what I've put together for my sermon fits so well with whatever God was already doing in this place. Like, I'm going to play a little part this morning, and it's, you're going to see how it all comes together. But there's an incredible opportunity in the lobby this morning. We're going to talk about it here in a minute, but I want you to take advantage of that really, really cool opportunity. It's a way for you to make friendships with people who are probably different than you, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today, about how we make friendships, how we meet people, how we talk to people who are different than us. Now, I'm just going to, you know, bump set Brian. I don't know if you know this, Brian's an incredible volleyball player. Uh, I'm just kidding. I made that up just now. That's probably not even true. I imagine he's a really good volleyball. Doesn't he look like a good volleyball player? I think so. Okay, Luke chapter 19, here we go. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. Just imagine it for a minute. Just kind of take your mind there. Let's let, let our imagination go back. Jesus, you know who that is. Jesus, who saves lives, who heals people, sets people free. Now he's in this town called Jericho. Now, if you don't know anything about Jericho, just think of like Wall Street. It's where all the money is in the Middle East. All the commerce comes to this place. Money's passing hands. A lot of things are happening here. And whenever you get money in the mix, sometimes greed and, you know, bad stuff can happen. But this is where Jesus is at. He's in a big, sprawling, bustling city of Jericho. And it's got history here. You may know the history of Jericho. So Jesus entered Jericho. And he made his way through the town. I wonder what that was like, to kind of see the vendors, to see the people, to look at people, to see 
children and men and women and older people and younger people, and they all have these lives. They've all got their problems and they've all got their issues. And I just imagine that Jesus has the ability, the awareness through the Holy Spirit to walk into a city and just see all of the dark areas, to see all of the issues and all of the problems, but then also to see where God's glory is, to see where God's moving and to see where God's working. I imagine that if, if Jesus were to walk through the city here and walk through our area and to walk through our places and to see our neighbors and our community. And if he were to walk down our street, I imagine that he would be able to see through the Holy Spirit all the tiny, all the bleak, dark places. But then I think he would see you and he would see the light of Christ in you. He would see the glory of God in you. He would see the redemptive mission being played out in your life. I think he'd be proud of you. I think he'd be excited about this. So he's walking through Jericho. He's moving through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. How many of you have ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. You know that song? I won't ask you to sing it. I won't ask you to sing it. But there was a man there named Zacchaeus and he was the chief tax collector. I don't know what he had to do to climb that ladder of success, but that is not a ladder of success that anybody who's listening to this story in this time would have been like, that's not what you wanna be. That's like as, almost as bad as being the guest preacher. He's the tax collector, right? There's this foreign government that has come in, that has conquered, and now they're in oppression, and he's taking things from people. And the only way that he makes an income is if he lies to them, says that they owe this much, and then he takes this much, and he pockets the rent. He's, he's not generous. He's greedy. He's stingy. And the only way he becomes chief tax collector is if he has hurt people all along the way. Now he is chief tax collector. And he had become very rich, the scripture says. So he tried to get a look at Jesus. Who's this guy? All the people, all the town has stopped whatever they were doing. They've pushed pause because Jesus, the celebrity Jesus, who's famous, Jesus is now in Jericho and they wanna see what's gonna happen. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Here's the first point I wanna give you. And I have about 70 points, so write them down. Here's the first point. Number one, God loves to use different people to solve different problems. God loves to use different people to solve different problems. Look at verse five here. I love this verse. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I must be a guest in your home today. I must 
be around you. I must hang out with you. I must have a friendship with you. I want to sit around and enjoy life. I want to share stories with you. I want to sit around the same table as you. I want to be associated. I want to be connected to you. This is crazy because there's Jesus and then there's Zacchaeus. I don't know if there's any more different person in the entire town of Jericho than Jesus and Zacchaeus. They were completely different than each other. But what Jesus knew was that there were problems in this city. He could see all the dark places and the solution to that problem could be Zacchaeus. If Zacchaeus' life was completely changed and completely transformed, what kind of light force would that be in that place? If this true son of Abraham could really break free of the darkness and the oppression and the bondage of shame and guilt in his life, what could happen in that city? You take Jericho all the way back and there were priests that walked around and walked around and declared and praised God and the walls fell down. And now Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah of the world, could have walked around one time and said something and all the oppression and all the junk in that city could have fallen down right there. But instead he walked through it. He walked into it and he found this dude named Zacchaeus and he said, you, you will be the linchpin to all of this. God loves to use different people to solve different problems. That's why there's different. You got problems? Anybody else here got problems in their life? Absolutely, right? Like we've got problems. Let me give you the design of problems and you can narrow it down from here. But every single person in this room, I'm gonna say it and you're gonna be like, that's my problem right there. Every person in this room has dealt with one of these three things. And when you walk out of here, I don't care who you come in contact with, I don't care where you come in contact with them. They will have one of these problems, and it's a progression. The first one is exhaustion. Tired. People are tired. People are tired of politics. They're tired of masks. They're tired of the COVID thing. Like, they're just tired, right? They're tired of the job. They're tired of their marriage. They're tired of their kids. They're tired of all something in their life. They are exhausted. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Have you ever, I mean, you might wake up tomorrow and go, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of dealing with this. I'm tired of going through this. I'm tired of not having answers. I'm tired of trying to figure this out. Everybody goes through it. And when you are exhausted for long enough, you start to feel empty. Empty. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about where you just get to this place, you got, I got nothing left to give. You maybe get to this place where you're angry. You, there's just no way out of this. You're stuck in a rut and you're just, you're tired and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to get through it. You just have to go through it. You just have to deal with it. Can I get an amen from somebody? You're just empty inside. You're just tired and there's no way out from here. There's no clear answer, you're stuck. And when you're exhausted and empty for long enough, you will be enslaved. This is just how it is. This is who we are. This is it. You get into this bargaining thing, okay, I'm gonna do this and this, and then you just stay in that situation until it kills you. 
and you're enslaved in debt and you're enslaved to health and you're enslaved to so many things in your life, can I get a whisper of an amen from somebody else? So when Jesus walks through your town and he walks into your life and he walks up to a Zacchaeus, he knows exactly the problems that you have. He knows right where you are at and what tree you've climbed up into. And maybe you're here like Zacchaeus and like me. Maybe you're here just going, I just want a glimpse of Jesus. If I could just get a glimpse of Jesus, then maybe when I walk out of this place, something could be different. Something could be unlocked. Something could be unhinged or unleashed. Maybe something new could happen in my life. And when Jesus walks into your life, you know what he normally does? This is crazy. Someone needs to tell you this, so I'm here to tell it to you today. Listen, listen, wherever God sees a problem, he usually raises up a leader. And that leader is usually different than you or different than the problem. Look at Joseph in the Bible, the Old Testament, Joseph. He was a slave in Egypt and he saves the country from famine. Who's this kid, right? Or, or Gideon, the coward, now leading the army to victory. Or little boy David, taking out the giant when the rest of the army, they're different, right? Or Jesus Christ, born to a carpenter in a barn, right? Look at the story. He's not normal. He's different. And different people solve different problems. God loves to do that because then all the glory is given to the Lord. That's how it works. And if you got problems or you know somebody who's got problems, they probably need a different person in their life. So we have to be four people and we have to be four different people so that we can solve different problems. There are problems in the world. Anybody notice any? Anybody notice any problems in the world? They're not gonna be solved by the people, by the same people. They're gonna be solved by different people. And if you drive through the city of Grand Rapids, if you drive through this town, you will pass problems and ice cream shops <laughs> and thrift stores. You know it. You know it. And we have to be four people, and we have to be four different people than us. Because there was these 12 disciples who followed Jesus, and they were different than the status quo of religious people in that time. They were unqualified, they were ill-prepared, but they would eventually change the world. And we're here today because of their story. Their story told to somebody who told somebody who told somebody different, who told somebody different, who told you. Aren't you so glad someone different told you about Jesus? We have to be four people, right? We have to be four people. I'm reminded, and I just have a few more minutes to go through the rest of these 70 points, but um, I'm reminded of Evan. And Evan was a young sixth grade boy, and, and we started a church, uh, one of the churches that we started in Noblesville, Indiana. You can Google it. And there was an awful situation that happened in Noblesville, Indiana, in the middle school with a child, with a firearm coming into school. It was a terrible, terrible situation where all of the students had to take cover. It was a very, very scary situation. This is the city where Danielle and I are the pastors in. And so there are children in that school and school teachers and administrators that we know personally. And, and it's all over Fox News. It's all over the TV. And so we're just watching it, keeping track of it. But in that school is a young boy named Evan. Little scrawny little kid. 
He was in his classroom, and they were scared. They could hear what was happening in the hallways. They could hear what was happening, and they were scared. And I don't, I've never had that fear. I've never been in that situation before. I have no idea what that would have been like. And it horrifies me to even begin to imagine it. But in that moment, little scrawny sixth grade Evan looks at his classmates and he says, who here believes in Jesus? That's the question that comes to Evan's mind. Who here believes in Jesus? And a few of the kids are like, me? He said, then we need to be praying right now. And he begins to lead that classroom in prayer. He's different than me or you. And he was put there for a reason. And if he was for people, then he was for people different than himself. He was for people. And I'm so grateful that someone different than me was in that classroom at that moment to lead those kids in that prayer. How cool is that, right? I called him Pastor Evan forever. Like he's Pastor Evan. Give it up for Evan. Come on. Seriously, that's so cool. All right, point number two of 73 points. Here it is. God loves to use different people to reach different people. God loves to use different people to solve different problems, and God loves to use different people to reach different people. I know what you're thinking right now. These are really simple points. I started writing this on Friday night, people. Give me a break, okay? Let's all lower the bar of expectation. Let's all put our hands together because Pastor Brian's coming back next week. Come on, come on. Pastor Brian's coming back next week. Here it is, point number two. God loves to use different people to reach different people. Here's verses eight and nine. Now watch this. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. So there's people talking, there's people saying things. All these things are happening, but in a private conversation, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, in a moment shared between Zacchaeus and Jesus, what a cool time, right? Wouldn't you love to have that time? You can. You can. I get to have that time every morning. I love that time. I set that time aside, and I start to read the scriptures, and then all of a sudden, he walks in the room, and he sits down with me. And he just goes, what were you thinking? I said, I know, I know. I thought I could talk my way out of it. And he goes, let's go. And he talks to me. And he walks with me. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Total transformation, right? His whole life has been set up on a trajectory. His whole life has been going this direction. And then all of a sudden, a moment with Jesus, it can change. There's some people in your life who are different than you. And you might think, wow, they're really far from Jesus. I can tell you the problems they have. I can tell you this, the problems they have. But in a moment with Jesus, it all changes. You hear me? A moment with Jesus, it all changes. I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I love that. 
true son of Abraham. This was a tax collector who is disowned, who has rejected his religion, his Jewish religion, his Jewish heritage. He would have had to walk away from his family. He's not getting Passover cards. He's not getting invited to things anymore. He's done with them. They're dead to them. He's walked out and he's chosen money. Now his life has completely changed. And Jesus declares that Zacchaeus is the hero of the story. Zacchaeus walks out of that room, giving away money. The greedy, stingy tax collector is now the generous leader of the city. The light shines on him and now through him. And the whole community is gonna be changed because Zacchaeus spent time with Jesus. His life was completely changed. And when Jesus got alone with Zacchaeus, he made Zacchaeus the hero of the story. I love this because it would have been easy for Jesus to walk into Jericho, set up stage, lights, had Corey there. It would have been awesome, right? Brian Bloom would have introduced him. It would have been great. Jesus would have walked out, right? And he would have declared things and lights would have come on in people's hearts, but he didn't. He found the most different person than himself in the community. He went and he spent time, made a friendship with them, went to their house, sat around their table, ate their food, I mean, think about this for a minute. This was Jesus' strategy. If we're gonna change the city, I'm gonna do it through different people. I got one amen. All right, come on now. Come on. Do I hear another? Yeah, this is good stuff. Different people reach different people. The people that Zacchaeus was gonna get around the table with next were gonna be different than the people Jesus was gonna get around the table with. And now they were on mission together. This is huge. This is huge. I love that Jesus is the hero maker in this story. He saw the potential in Zacchaeus, and he discovered the hero potential in him. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes discernment of the Holy Spirit to get around somebody else's life and start to believe in them start to see God in them, to see light in them, and then to start saying, you know, what the, you know what the four most important letters of any leader is? You know what they are? I see in you. I see in you. Would you say it with me? I see in you. And maybe no one's ever sat you down and had that four-letter conversation with you, but I'm telling you from someone who has, when someone sat me down and said, I see in you you. Like Mike, he goes to one of our Zero Collective churches. And you don't know Mike. Mike is just an awesome dude. And I built a friendship with Mike because I was speaking at one of our Zero Collective churches, the center down in Byron Center. And I got to know Mike through different things. And, and he called me this week out of the blue, called me this week and said, John, you were on my heart. I just wanted to pray for you. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I was like, Mike, you're not gonna believe this, but I'm actually speaking at Frontline and I'm scared to death, okay? Brian's, a, you, I, and, and he said, John, you're gonna do awesome. He just said, I see in you. He had that conversation with me. I needed Mike. I needed Mike so bad. If you know Mike, he's different than me. He's different than me. But God loves to use different people to reach different people. I gotta tell you about Deanne. It's crazy. I'm going to tell you this story. And then I got to tell you, I had no idea that West Michigan Friendship Center is here today. They're in the back. 
They've got a table. You have to get up from your seat, walk back there, and they have a little QR code here. You're gonna scan it. You're gonna fill it out. You're gonna wanna be a part of what they're doing because there's a huge growing population of people who are different than us in West Michigan. And if we don't have a heart for them, I don't know if Jesus will walk through, I mean, he's gonna walk through our city and he's gonna say, there's the light. And I want him to see the light of Frontline in every place of this city. I know you feel that way. I know that's the calling on your life as the Zero Collective Church. I know where your vision is, but let me tell you about Deanne. I met Deanne yesterday. Can we show her a picture up here? I love this. Look at her. She's great. She's such a friend. I talked to her last night at like 10 o'clock. I called her. Are you a night owl? She's like, I'm a night owl. And seriously, I had to tell her, I have to leave. I have to go to bed. And here's Danielle. You can talk to Danielle. My wife, Danielle, she's a night owl. She will stay up all night long, okay? But Deanne is a night owl. I talked to her last night. I met her yesterday. That was me yesterday. We were down in Chicago together. Now, let me tell you the story. I'm in Chicago yesterday, drove down there. I was at a conference and I meet Deanne, she's one of the guests, and I said, Deanne, tell me your story. And she said, I live in Lansing. Now, I understand that in West Michigan, everybody knows everybody. I get that, okay? So some of you are probably related to Deanne. But Deanne says, I live in Lansing, but twice a month, I drive down to Chicago because we're starting a church in Chicago. It's gonna be a beachhead of the gospel, and we're gonna infiltrate every area of that city. And so we've started this beachhead uh, expression of the gospel there. And she drives down, I love it. She drives down twice a month just to spend time with the residents that are there, to cook them meals, to love them, to you know just share life and then volunteer wherever she can. I absolutely love this. So she goes down there and she builds a friendship with the residents. She shows up because she normally cooks meals for them. And they said, we need your help. She said, what do you need my help with? I'll help you with anything. They said, we just took an evangelism class and we have to go share our faith. Now, this was in December. I don't know if you remember December, but we were on lockdown, okay? Lockdown. And she said, well, where are we gonna meet people to share our faith? And they had no idea. They couldn't go to a park. It was freezing out. Where are we gonna go to meet people and share our faith? How many of you would be nervous about this? You'd be like, ah, that sounds scary. Yes, it is for anybody, right? How do you do that? What Deanne understands is it's about friendship. Just like Jesus walked through that town, found someone, and became their friend and started seeing the potential in them and started seeing the hero in them. So she said, how about we go to the mall? The mall's open. They go to the mall. It's, you know, hardly anybody there. Now, I am not making this up. In Chicago, there is a shooting range inside a mall. I don't get it either. And so... It's an airsoft, like a BB gun shooting range, and you shoot targets. And she goes there, and she's like, who are we going to meet? But they said, let's just pray through the mall. That's the first step. Let's just, I believe that's what Jesus did when he walked through Jericho. He just began discerning the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, where are you? Where is light? How can I empower? What can I do? And so she's just walking through the mall with these young residents, and they're just praying. And she walks up to the shooting range, and one of the workers comes up to her and says, do you want to do this? Is it, you know, are you shooting range, you know? And, and she's like, excuse me, where is your beautiful accent from? And the gentleman begins to say how he just moved here three weeks ago from a Middle Eastern country. He doesn't know anybody here. He's brand new here as a refugee and he's just trying, you know, to get work. And she said, what is the religion of your country? And he said, I am Muslim. And she said, I'm Christian. And he said, that's okay, that's okay. She goes, yeah, it is, and we can be friends. He said, that would be good. I need a friend. 
I don't know anybody. She says, well, let's do this. And she went in. She said the Holy Spirit allowed her to just shoot like she never shot before in her whole life. She hit every target. And the guy's like, this is impressive. This is, he, she impressed the man. I really think it was the Holy Spirit. And so Deanne, she starts to build a friendship with him. Every time she goes to Chicago, she goes to the mall and she visit, visits her friend, visits her. He, she got a text from him one time. The residents had come in to do the target practice. And he said, all your friends are here. Where are you? He says, you're my only friend. He comes in, she says, we need to hang out. She invites all of her friends to come and meet him while he's at work. And she says, I cook meals for the residents. I want you to come and have a meal with us. And so Friday night, uh, her friend came to a meal. And she says, have you ever uh, read the Bible? He goes, yes, in my country, there are missionaries. And they gave me a Bible. He said, I read it two or three times. He said, every time I read about Jesus, I get bumps on my arm. He said, but I have so many questions. So many questions. Will you help me answer them? And they stayed up to the wee hours of the night just answering his questions, just talking about forgiveness and grace and mercy and the love of Jesus over a meal and a friendship. And I couldn't help but wonder how Deanne meets just different people, builds a friendship with them. And then last night, as I was talking to her on the phone, I don't think we're that much alike either. She just has an open life. She is for people. And she understands that different people solve different problems. And different people reach different people. Imagine who her friend could reach as this growing population in Chicago grows. But there's also a growing population of different people in West Michigan. Now, here's two people I want to close with. And so if you would, stand with me because we're going to be done. I understand in just a few moments that there is somebody here today who feels different. You look around this room right now and you're like, I'm different than these people. They know the words. They know the songs. They actually like that guest preacher. Maybe you feel like the different person. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I I'm different than these people. Can I tell you something? You probably are. You're different. Because God created you and he made you to solve different problems and to reach different people. Listen, God is for you. He wants to show up in your life, sit around a table with you and change everything. But then he's gonna send you out. So you have to be for people who are different than you. You have to be for people who are different than you. I wanna pray for you here in a minute. I wanna pray that God enters into your life, that God infiltrates your life and that you embrace your differentness. You embrace your uniqueness and say, God, use that. Use all of that in my life. And here's the second person I need to talk to today. I came here this morning and I prayed up and I prepared because I think there's people here today that I want you to know you have to be for people who are different than you. Like I mean really be for them. Like walk out and give them your name and address and your phone number and say, I'm available. It's to walk through a town and to say, God, I need to see the dark places, even if they're in places that are different than I normally go to, places that I'm, I'm not normally involved with, 
and people I wouldn't normally talk to, because here's the deal, you are different when you're in that place. And so you will solve different problems and you will reach different people. So we have to be four people who are different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity I have this morning to come to Frontline. These are a beautiful people. I thank you, God, that we could laugh together. We could tell stories together. I thank you, God, for the glory that you give this place and the way that your glory moves through this place. God, I ask that we would be four people right now. I pray for group number one, that they would embrace their weakness. They would embrace their differentness. They would embrace their strength. They would embrace their uniqueness and they would become the hero of the story that you are telling here in Grand Rapids. They would see the potential and how you have sought them out. I pray, God, right now for this church, this congregation, the Zero Collective and Frontline. I ask, God, that you would give us a renewed passion for people who are different than us, that we would be active in our faith in this way. We would be aware of people who are different than us and we would do something love you. We praise you. And all of God's people said, amen.